iOS 11, podcast analytics, and a podcasting spec update. Oh, there's so much cool stuff to share. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 310. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Recently, Apple hosted the Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC, and they announced several big changes that will help both podcasters and podcast consumers. So this episode will give you what you need to know about all of these really cool changes coming. I want to talk to you about WebRTC, the redesigned Apple Podcasts app, the updated podcasting spec and iTunes RSS tags, and most exciting, perhaps, is the consumption analytics from Apple Podcasts and how and when you can use all this new stuff. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for episode 310, then go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash apple2017. First, this may not initially seem exciting, but I'll explain why it's exciting. WebRTC is coming to Safari on macOS and iOS. WebRTC stands for Web Real-Time Communication. It's the technology that enables many browser-based streaming tools such as Zencaster, Ringer, Facebook Live, Cast, and even the late Blab, God rest its soul. For a long time, WebRTC has only worked in Chrome, Firefox, and Opera, and on Windows, macOS, and Linux, and even on Android, but noticeably absent from that list was Safari for macOS, and especially for iOS. There was absolutely no way you could use WebRTC on iOS. But finally, Apple is making Safari support WebRTC, and that means that many of these streaming tools will now be usable on iOS devices without having to install any additional apps. This is great news if you rely on tools like Zencaster or Ringer or Cast to record multi-ender conversations with guests or co-hosts. So this means, in theory, your guests or co-hosts will no longer have to install an app on their mobile device in order to participate in your podcast. It could even make voice feedback systems, such as SpeakPipe, work entirely inside the browser without the need for apps, plugins, or Adobe Flash. This is fantastic. I think this gives the final big push we needed to make WebRTC an accepted standard for real-time communication on the web. It has already been a standard for a couple years and pushed by Google and Mozilla, and now having Apple support it, especially with iOS devices, is fantastic. So I really look forward to that day when you'll be able to send a link, whether that be with Ringer, Zencaster, Cast, or anything like that, to your guest, and they don't have to install anything. They just click on that link, it opens in their browser, and they're able to join you in your podcast directly from their browser with nothing but their mobile device, whether that be iPhone, iPod Touch, an iPad, or maybe even their MacBook or Mac computer. I really like this. I'm really encouraged to see WebRTC finally coming to Safari on macOS and on iOS. Next, coming in iOS 11 is a redesigned Apple Podcasts app. The Apple Podcasts app has been highly criticized, and you can look at all of the negative reviews for it in the Apple App Store. 
but it's a good app for what it's designed to do. Yes, I know there have been some problems with it, and especially some of us who really consume a lot of podcasts have run into problems in the past. I think it was with the switch to iOS 9 and some changes in the Apple Podcasts app when it majorly broke. And for many of us, we couldn't launch the podcast app at all. It kept crashing. We couldn't do anything. That's when I switched over to Overcast and then discovered all of the great features that Overcast has to offer. And I've chosen to stick with Overcast. Nonetheless, the Apple Podcasts app does represent a huge portion of the global consumption of podcasts. It's still the most popular podcast consumption app by far. It leaves everything else in the dust, even the most popular other apps. The Apple Podcasts ecosystem is at the top there. So with this redesign coming in iOS 11, it will be easier for subscribers to listen to or resume playback for any of their shows on their device because there will be a new Listen Now screen which will display the latest episodes from their podcast as well as any episodes that they haven't finished listening to yet will be right there in Listen Now. What I think is encouraging about this is that it means if someone stops listening to an episode, it makes that episode then a little more prominent for them and thus encourages them to resume and complete listening to that episode. That's exciting. And the interface is simpler. And the display of data with each episode and the the context and other text that comes with each episode will be smarter, the experience is smoother, and it will be a whole lot better for seasonal and serialized content. I'll explain that more in a moment because that goes into the RSS stuff that's coming. So we have a redesigned Apple Podcasts app coming with iOS 11. There was nothing said about iTunes. That's the desktop software for macOS and Windows. A lot of people are theorizing that Apple will split out a podcast app on Mac OS and on Windows, and that could be great too. So we'd have a standalone app there that would then not be so bloated as iTunes is, especially for Windows users. But there wasn't anything said about that. So for now, all the enthusiasm is on the Apple Podcast app, but it probably will affect the iTunes experience and the iTunes perspective of the Apple Podcast catalog. That's coming with iOS 11, and if there's any kind of iTunes update that supports this, that will be coming with macOS High Sierra in late 2017. The next exciting thing, and this is where we're going to get into the weeds, get a little more detailed in some of this technical stuff, is an updated podcasting spec and iTunes RSS tags. Apple has barely updated the iTunes podcasting spec since they created it in 2005 with the launch of iTunes 4.9. But with the upcoming launch of iOS 11, Apple will support several new and updated RSS tags. You can't take advantage of these right now. So there's no sense in demanding that your podcast host or whatever tools you use to create your RSS feed for your podcast support these new features immediately. They won't even be of any use until iOS 11 is released and then when people start using it. But Apple has a good tradition of people very quickly updating their iOS versions to get the latest features. But any device that doesn't support iOS 11 will thus not support these new features. So keep that in mind. So among these, we have new RSS tags, some updated tags, and even some clarifications. First, the new RSS tags. And if you want to see this code as I'm talking about it, go to the show notes for episode 310 at com slash apple2017. The first new RSS tag is iTunes colon type. 
This is the only show-level tag, also called a channel-level tag, of all of these tags I'm going to mention. This one applies at the top level to your overall show or your overall podcast. And it's the only show-level tag that Apple has added. It sets the type of podcast you have. And currently, that can be either episodic or serial. That's launching with iOS 11. And Apple may add more types in the future. Their language in their special presentation they gave about this made it sound like they're launching with these two. And what they didn't say is, but we may add more in the future. Episodic is what you're already familiar with. It's the default type, and it's the same as what you've been using for all the shows until now. This is when standalone episodes can be consumed in any order. Episodic can have seasons, but with or without seasons, the newest episode will be displayed and downloaded first, with the other episodes then listed newest to oldest. That's the default behavior you used to seeing with all of those podcasts. And for most of us, this is the format we would want. This is certainly what I would have for the Audacity to Podcast. It's episodic. I want you to get the most recent episode. I don't want to force you to go back to episode one and listen chronologically. But for some other podcasts, you may want to force that chronological listening. And that's where this new type comes in, which is serial. It's best when your episode should be displayed and consumed from oldest to newest. This is ideal for any podcast that's best consumed from the beginning of the season or complete series. For example, audio dramas like The Fall of the House of Sunshine or storytelling podcasts like Serial or sequential parts of a podcast where maybe the podcast exists to take you through certain steps in a process like maybe a how-to podcast podcast and with each episode then being a specific step in the process. So it's very important that you start on step one not that you start on step 20 or whatever the latest step is. This also supports seasons. So you can have seasons with either episodic shows or serial shows. With episodic shows, seasons will download the latest episode first and display all of the other episodes from newest to oldest. But if you use seasons with a serial type, this will display and download the first episode first and then the episodes that come after that. The rest of these other new RSS tags and the updated RSS tags are episode level or called item level. These will apply to only the individual episodes, not to your overall show. And as far as I can tell, these will be optional, but I do recommend you use all of these new tags for your podcast. The first is iTunes colon title. This tag is for the title of your episode and only the title. There shouldn't be any episode number, any season number, show title, or show abbreviation. So where I put into my podcast, the hyphen tap 301 or something like that for episode 301, that shouldn't go in there. Or if you start your show with the name of your podcast or episode number or season number, anything like that, that should not go in this tag. The iTunes title tag should be only the title, nothing else. And it will take precedence over the standard title tag for each episode. And that's what you're already used to inside of PowerPress or Libsyn or anything that creates an RSS feed. It has an individual title for each individual episode or item in that feed. If you use the iTunes title tag, that takes precedence over that standard title. So your standard title could still have the episode number, season number, show name, all of that stuff in addition to the episode title. But the iTunes title tag should have only the title of that episode. 
The purpose of this is to get a clean title for the episode to then display differently depending on context and some other factors within the Apple Podcasts apps. For example, if the show type is serial and you use seasons, then season number and episode number will display above the episode title, and only the episode number will display in the beginning of the title, like one period episode title. But if you don't use seasons, only the episode number will display above the title, and then there won't be an episode number displayed within the title. So you wouldn't see that one period episode title. You would see simply episode title, but displayed above that is where it says episode one or episode 300 or whatever episode number you're on. I really like this because it makes the display of titles a whole lot cleaner. You know I've not been a fan of adding episode numbers before the title of your podcast because that can get especially confusing if the title of your podcast starts with a number, like episode 11, 10 ways to be awesome. But that just, you see two numbers there right next to each other. It, it gets crowded and confusing. I really don't like displaying episodes that way. And it also hinders the user experience. And they did mention that in their presentation, that putting that kind of information first in the title doesn't make for a good user experience on mobile devices where you can't see the full title sometimes or simply you see these abbreviations like season number and episode number and that kind of thing before the actual episode title. And for those rare shows that actually need season and episode number information displayed prominently, Apple Podcasts will handle those nicely. So if this iTunes title tag should contain only the episode title, And this doesn't mean you have to change your WordPress titles because this will be a separate field that you'll have support for inside of PowerPress as well as inside of Libsyn. But if it should only contain an episode title, then what do you do with those season and episode numbers? That's where the next two tags come in. First, iTunes colon season. This tag lets you set the season number to anything greater than zero. Apple Podcasts will then group the episodes into seasons and play and download them newest to oldest for episodic show types or oldest to newest for serial show types. Apple Podcasts will only display the season number when you have more than one season in your feed, and it displays the season number with those episode groups as well as above the title of the currently playing episode. And no matter when you publish an episode in your RSS feed, it will always be included with the appropriate season when you use the same season number. So you could come back years later and add bonus material or add extra episodes to an older season. And you can think of a season in many different ways. A season could be schedule, it could be thematic, it could be a story arc, anything like that. So a season doesn't only have to mean schedule. It could be like maybe this is the how to podcast season. And the next year is the how to market your podcast season. And the next year is the how to monetize your podcast season. So then I could go back and add episodes to the initial how to podcast season if I wanted to. And that can be based on not the publication date, but the season and then the episode number as well. So that's the iTunes season tag. The next tag is, as you could probably guess, iTunes episode. This tag indicates the episode number, and that is also anything greater than zero. It's useful for seasonal, serial, and even non-seasonal or non-serial shows. This episode number will display with and above the episode title in the podcast app when the show type is serial. 
Otherwise, it will display only above the episode title when the show type is episodic. Like with the Audacity to Podcast, my episode numbers would not display inside the title, but they would display in the little meta information above the title. You may be initially discouraged that this tag supports only numbers above zero, especially if you're looking to launch a new podcast and you're thinking, oh, I want to put out that episode zero, that promo for the podcast, or that thing that gets people excited about the podcast or sets up the premise or tells more about me and my background. And you know my thoughts about episode zero in general. If you haven't heard that episode before, you can find it on the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. But in general, I don't like the idea of an episode zero. I think your first piece of content that people hear should be solid value, not a, this is all about me, this is what I'm planning to do, this is why I'm starting this podcast, this is who we are, but make it valuable content. You can tell some of that background information in your first episode or across several episodes, but make that first episode something that people will actually enjoy or appreciate listening to. That's why I don't really like the idea of an episode zero. However, you might want to do something like make a trailer or a promo for your podcast and you put that in your feed just so you can submit your feed to Apple Podcasts and other podcast apps and directories, which require that you have at least one episode there. So that's where this next new tag from iTunes comes in. It's the iTunes episode type tag. This tag can be set to full trailer or bonus. Full is the default episode type, and it's the same as what we've published for many years. This would be a regular and possibly numbered episode, though it doesn't have to be a numbered episode. Trailer is a short episode that could promote either a season or the entire show, and maybe even possibly an individual episode. It will be displayed more prominently than the rest of the episodes. So at least right now in their mock-ups, they show that the trailer for a season displays above that season, or the trailer for the overall show displays above all of the other episodes. So you can press play on that trailer to hear why you might want to listen to the podcast. So then this trailer could take the place of that episode zero if you wanted to do that kind of thing. Or the trailer could be the promo for the podcast, and that always remains at the top of all of your episodes. So new people who come across your podcast in the Apple Podcast app will then see your trailer, they'll be able to press play on it, they'll know why they should subscribe to this podcast, they'll hear maybe some clips from the podcast, they'll hear your voice, they'll hear your enthusiasm, they'll hear maybe endorsements, whatever you put in that little trailer, they'll hear that, and that could encourage them to subscribe more than your actual description of your podcast does. The other episode type is bonus, and this is any kind of extra content for a show, such as behind the scenes, question and answers, extras, or anything like that. And although Apple didn't clarify, I think that trailer and bonus types are kind of opposite of each other and will display in relation to their set season and maybe even set episode number. For example, if you publish a bonus episode that uses the same episode number, as another episode that you've already published, and we'll say that's episode three, then the episodes may play in an order like this for a serialized podcast. Episode one, episode two, episode three, bonus for episode three, episode four, and episode five. And I think trailer would then be the inverse of that, where the trailer would come before whatever season or episode that it's connected to. So then if you had a trailer for episode five, then it might go from episode four to 
trailer for episode five and then episode five. So I'm thinking that the way this will play out, and I don't know this for sure, so this is only my theory, but I think that trailers will come before whatever they're connected to, and then bonus will come after whatever they're connected to. And that could be after an entire season or maybe within a season, but after the defined episode number. So maybe if you give bonus no episode number whatsoever, but you do give it a season, it will then be displayed at the end of that season and played at the end of that season. But if you give it an episode number, maybe it would be played immediately after whatever episode number it's attached to. That's my theory right now, and we'll find out soon whether that's the way it actually works. And so I might update some of this information and update the show notes. So you might want to go there for the most accurate description of some of this at theaudacitypodcast.com slash apple2017. So these are our new RSS tags in the iTunes podcasting spec. iTunes type, iTunes title, iTunes season, iTunes episode, and iTunes episode type. Apple did also change a couple tags from some previous recommendations. These tags have existed since Apple first created their podcasting spec, but they've changed them a little bit over the years and they're changing them again. And the first is iTunes summary. We've previously been able to use this tag to force different show notes to display in Apple Podcasts or in desktop iTunes. It could support basic HTML formatting like paragraphs, bold, italics, lists, and links but it was limited to 4,000 characters, at different times limited to different amounts as well. Now, Apple says that this should be a short description. They even said one-sentence description for the episode. But I think you have a little bit more leeway than that, so try to make it one or two sentences, and probably it will need to be fewer than 255 characters. This will display with your episodes... And the way that they've got it designed now is that this description, when you press play on an episode or when you see an episode, this description will display with that episode. So that's why it needs to be very short. This is not where you put your full show notes. This is where you give a teaser or explain what this episode is about. And it will no longer support HTML at all or C data. So if you have HTML or C data in your iTunes summary already, then it will simply be stripped and ignored. You don't have to worry about going back and removing all of that HTML. It will simply be ignored, but your text will still display. So that's the iTunes summary tag. Think of that as a summary, just like the name is, so we don't have to try and hack things around the way that I felt we've had to do it before in order to get custom text to display in iTunes. The next tag is content encoded. This is a standard RSS tag to contain the entire post. Previously, Apple Podcasts would truncate this text and had some kind of character limit, and that often meant that for my own show notes, I couldn't display my full show notes inside of the podcast app because I had too much text in there. I think it was maybe limited to 8,000 characters or so. But in this new update, it seems Apple will display this full content then below the episode description and player. So yes, it will display the description and it will display an episode player and then it will display the full show notes. Other podcast apps already support the content encoded field like Overcast on iOS will display the content encoded field instead of the iTunes summary field and it will display everything from the content including images. But on the Apple podcast side, it will display only basic HTML formatting. That would be Paragraphs, bold, italic, lists, and links. 
I don't know yet, and I hope they do it this way, I don't know what they'll do with headings. If you put a heading in there, what I would hope they would do is force it to be surrounded by line breaks and bold. Maybe not change the font size, but at least make it stand out a bit more than everything else so you get a little bit of hierarchy. They didn't say anything about a character limit, and I'll have links in the show notes to the Apple presentation, which you can watch on Safari or find a bootleg copy on YouTube, as well as the PDF documentation and their slides from their presentation that explain these new podcasting specs. And nowhere in there did they say anything about a character limit for content encoded. So it's very possible then we don't have to worry anymore about writing a custom iTunes summary because our tools, whether that be Libsyn or PowerPress, could then use the WordPress excerpt automatically as the iTunes summary or the way it's designed right now, at least, and this is probably how it will work in the future, is the iTunes summary will fall back to use the description if there is no iTunes summary tag. So you might not have to worry about specifically populating the iTunes summary tag if you're using WordPress and PowerPress. Just insert that excerpt and that will probably enter into the right fields for you. I think that this content encoded support will bring the Apple Podcast app in line with how most other podcast apps then display the full show notes. So what that means is we may get to the point very soon where you would know the majority of your audience has access to your show notes right there in their podcast app. How they get to the show notes may be different for different apps. For example, on Overcast, you have to swipe in a direction. On other apps, you tap on the cover art. On other apps, you swipe in a different direction. But the general thing is that the show notes are there in the app most likely. And that will soon be available as well in the Apple Podcast app that's coming with iOS 11. So you may not have to always send them to your website for your show notes. I still think it's a good idea to mention that. Like you could say... Get the show notes in your app or go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash apple2017. Publishing your full show notes in this tag then will significantly increase the size of your RSS feed. So it's something to be considered of, especially if you have a lot of episodes with really thorough show notes, because it will make your RSS feed get really, really big. And this could then be and is really a really good reason to abandon FeedBurner. FeedBurner is now limited to one megabyte. And if you're publishing your full show notes in your RSS feed, you could fill up that one megabyte limit for FeedBurner very quickly. But on your website or in Libsyn, you could have an RSS feed that's larger than one megabyte and it not cause any problems. As long as you have proper caching on your site or you're using a reliable third-party feed tool that has that caching built in and Libsyn does that kind of thing. So those are the two updated tags, the iTunes summary and the content encoded. Then Apple had a couple clarifications. The first is the GUID, and this is the most geeky thing about this, but this is one of my pet peeves, and I've talked about this many times before in past episodes over the past several years. The GUID, or Globally Unique Identifier, has been part of the RSS standard for practically forever. I've talked frequently about the importance of not changing this tag at all especially watching for not changing it or letting it be changed. When you change domains, you migrate your feed to a new host or tool, or you switch from HTTP to HTTPS. The GUID for each item or GUID is how any RSS client, including podcast apps, will then know whether that item has already been loaded or downloaded. So 
You could change everything about an episode in your RSS feed, but if the GUID is the same, the episode will not re-download unless someone chooses to re-download it. The inverse is also true. You could change nothing about an episode in your RSS feed, but change the GUID even by a single character, adding, removing, changing, capitalizing, it doesn't matter. Change it by a single character and that episode will be forced to re-download. This is a big problem when you're, especially if you're migrating your RSS feed to some other tool, you absolutely must make sure that they don't change the GUIDs. This is why for a long time now, I've really stressed the importance of not changing it unless it's absolutely necessary for you to force your audience to re-download an episode, such as when it's so messed up that it was unlistenable or unwatchable. But if you change domains, if you change media hosts or feed creation tools or anything else about your podcast, the good absolutely must remain the same or else you could force your audience to re-download all your episodes or particular episodes and thus corrupt your stats. And there's a little bit more to that, which I'll get to in just a moment. But there's really nothing new about Apple's advice than to, quote, assign the good to an episode only once and never change it, unquote. And their reason is, quote, assigning new GUIDs to existing episodes can cause issues with your podcast listing, unquote. Or, in other words, cause your episodes to display maybe multiple times. But even more interestingly, they pointed out that it can, quote, cause issues with your podcast's chart placement in Apple Podcasts, unquote. This does actually make sense because it means splitting the popularity of a single episode across multiple instances of that episode or separate GUIDs. Or it means that there could be an episode that will seem like it was never downloaded because the GUID changed. See, to the podcast apps, they're looking at GUIDs, not at media file names, not at episode titles or anything like that. They look at the GUIDs. So if that GUID changes then the app considers it to be a completely different episode. So if you get 2,000 people on average downloading each of your episodes, but then you change the GUID on one of them, then you have 1,000 people downloading one, and then maybe 1,000 or the full 2,000 downloading another. And it starts to mess up with your ranking to see that here's this very unpopular episode compared to these other popular episodes. Or think of it this way. Apple Podcasts doesn't see unique episodes by episode titles, episode numbers, file names, anything like that. It sees GUIDs, and so do all of the other podcast apps out there. So it will track the popularity of a single GUID for many years. But if you change the GUID of that same episode, you're starting over with tracking and popularity. It's like throwing the episode's reputation away and starting over from nothing. And while it may be tempting to do some unethical things here with your GUIDs in order to artificially inflate your numbers or force people to re-download past episodes, this will only hurt your podcast in many ways. I talked about this in my episode where I shared guaranteed ways to increase your downloads, but with every one of those ton-in-cheek recommendations, I did point out that yes, this increases your downloads, but it doesn't increase your audience. It doesn't increase your profit. It doesn't increase your reach, but it could annoy your audience and actually end up hurting your podcast and your sponsorships and anything else about your podcast. The only time you should change the GUID is when it's 
absolutely necessary for your audience to be forced to re-download that one episode. And by being forced to re-download it, they would actually be grateful for it, such as to fix a corrupted episode. There was a time I published an episode of our Once Upon a Time podcast, and I didn't realize it until later, that my co-host was muted the entire time in the file that downloaded because of the way that I accidentally encoded it. So people could hear me, but not my co-host. So that was a case where it was unlistenable. There were large sections of silence. People were completely missing what my co-host said. So that was a time when it was important enough for me to force people to re-download that episode. And then when they started listening, they realized, oh, okay, yeah, now I can hear. I'm glad I got the fixed version. But if it's something like you forgot your intro music or maybe the volume was a little bit too loud or too quiet in certain places or you forgot to mention something in it like a special announcement or something like that, that's not important enough to force people to re-download the episodes. So thank you, Apple, for clarifying and telling people never change the GUID except in extreme emergencies. That's what I would add to that. That's the GUID tag. Nothing new about it, simply clarifying. The other thing, and this might be a clarification or might be a change, is that during Apple's presentation, they mentioned the 3000 by 3000 JPEG or PNG spec for podcast cover art, which we're familiar with, but they also said to make it under one megabyte. Currently, podcast cover art larger than 512 kilobytes, and that's cover art in the iTunes image tag has caused feed submission and refreshing issues. And my theory is that feeds are processed linearly, which makes sense. So it goes from the top down to the bottom. And if there's a timeout or error anywhere, then it prevents any of the code following that section from being loaded. So because the cover art is loaded near the top of the feed, a bad cover art file can then cause issues with the rest of the feed because maybe it tries to validate the image or tries to download it or check it or anything like that before continuing to process the rest of the feed. So that's why it's so important to have your iTunes image properly linked and that the image is the right spec and everything about it. And currently, 512 kilobytes or half a megabyte is that limit that it seems anything larger than that causes problems. But Apple did specifically say in their presentation, under one megabyte. Now that may not be supported right now, But it does make me think it will be supported with the public release of iOS 11 in late 2017. So don't go increasing the file size of your image right now. But it may be something we can do later when iOS 11 is out. I really hope this is true because it can be very difficult to compress some 3000 by 3000 images below 512 kilobytes and maintain acceptable image quality. Some images do compress more easily than others. For example, a very solid colored image where you have a single color as the background, a single color for the text, and maybe single color icon. So you have basically three colors in your image. There are some subtle fades between, but it's basically three colors. That kind of thing can save really well as a PNG. So you could have a 3000 by 3000 pixel image and it only be 100 kilobytes. But then maybe if you're using a photograph or gradients or shadows or textures or anything like that, and it's a JPEG or a PNG, well, PNG handles that horribly. 
any kind of texture or change in colors are not good in PNG. They're better in JPEG. But even in JPEG, if you have a lot of detail, the more detail you have, the larger the file will be. So that's why I'm really hoping that they have increased that limit. Because making a 3000 by 3000 image under one megabyte is easy, but making it under 512 kilobytes can be a bit tricky. So I really hope they didn't just misspeak, and I really hope they are truly updating the back end that will make this work together. Those are the updates and new additions to the podcasting spec as announced from WWDC in 2017. But even more exciting than this, and this is probably the biggest news for podcasting in a long time, and it's probably what you've already heard so much about. That's kind of why I put this near the end, even though it seems like I'm kind of burying the lead. Maybe you're tired of hearing about this, but we're going to get consumption analytics from Apple Podcasts. This is exciting. Podcast analytics inside of Podcasts Connect. That's the website you log into to manage your podcasts as they appear in iTunes and the Apple Podcasts app. And when Apple first launched Podcasts Connect in early 2016, I did an episode about it as well as a webinar for Podcaster Society members. And I theorized that Podcast Connect could be the framework for future stats and other tools. Even then, and still today, invited partners already have access to be able to see downloads, streams, and browses, and even basic demographic stats from iTunes and Apple Podcasts. But this is only for invited partners like Gimlet or This American Life. And I'm really privileged to be one of those podcast networks that has access to Site Manager. That's the tool that does this kind of thing. But in their demonstration of these new analytics, they were not showing off Site Manager. They were showing this in Podcasts Connect. That's what's available to all podcasters through their own Apple ID account that they use to submit their podcast. And I'll mention more about some issues with that that you're probably thinking of. They didn't say anything about we're releasing this to select partners. They said you. And they, in, in this process of explaining best practices and when they featured this podcast analytics section in their presentation, they were talking about a couple who decided they wanted to start a podcast. So they're using this on an example of some, quote, amateur, unquote, podcasters, certainly not the professional broadcasters that are entering the podcasting space. And this isn't simply server-side download data like we've had for many years, and which, by the way, is mature enough to be trustworthy when you're using it from companies like Blueberry, Libsyn, PodTrack, and maybe some others. But this is specific playback data limited to Apple Podcasts and probably desktop iTunes. Instead of seeing then that an episode was simply downloaded and how it was downloaded, such as like where it was downloaded from, what time, or the date, or what technology downloaded it, you'll be able to see how much of the episode was played after the download, or even during a, quote, stream, unquote, which is more really a progressive download. You press play, and it's downloading in the background while you're listening, and it's going and downloading bytes ahead of where you are, and it could download the entire thing while you're listening to it. So it's not really a true stream. It's progressively downloading it while you're listening to it. So it kind of feels like streaming, but it's not technically streaming. Nonetheless, we might call it streaming or a stream. Then this can show you how many people skip 
ads or segments, when they abandon the episode, or how many of your downloaders consume the entire episode. You can learn a whole lot from this data and use it then to improve your podcasts. And I'll talk more about what you can do with this data when we have real data from these analytics. And I can use my own podcasts as examples and I can test things and you can test things and share your own experience. And especially in podcaster society, we'll be talking about this a lot as we get closer and start seeing data from this. You'll also be able to see how many of your audience are subscribed or not subscribed. Additionally, Apple will show you the consumption of episodes based on each episode's age, nicely parallel with each other. With this, you could then see that one episode reached, for example, 500 plays by day 10, while another episode reached 500 plays by day 6. And these are actual plays, not merely downloads. And it also appears you'll be able to filter data by location, which is probably countries, and platforms, which is probably iPhone, iPad, macOS, Windows, and such, and even listeners, which is probably subscribers versus non-subscribers, or maybe even demographic data, since most people who are using the podcast app are logged into some kind of account that includes some kind of demographic data. And all of this data that's being reported from the podcast app will be anonymized, and people can reset their special token so that then their data looks like it's a completely new person. And I believe people will be able to opt out of this when they're setting up their device and it asks them, do you want to share usage data with Apple or something like that? I'm not certain yet whether that will play into this, but it would make sense. There's probably even more you'll be able to see with these stats. And even though these analytics will be limited to Apple's own podcast apps, that's for iPad and iPhone and iPod Touch, probably also for desktop iTunes, probably also for TV OS or the Apple TV, probably also for the new HomePod, which is the like Siri speaker sort of thing that can certainly play podcasts for you. So it is plenty of devices. It's the Apple ecosystem. And that Apple ecosystem represents 60 to 70% of all podcast consumption. And that's according to both Libsyn and Blueberry. They see similar numbers. It's around 60 to 70%. They see some slight variation among themselves, but it's definitely in that range. So it's a large enough majority and certainly the largest single platform by far. And it's so large that I think it's reasonable to extrapolate this data to the rest of your audience. However, it's possible and maybe even likely consumers outside the Apple platforms are more faithful to podcast consumption than the more general public who are using and browsing on the Apple platforms. Because we often talk about stuff like the iTunes, new and noteworthy, that kind of thing. That's not really a good representation of your audience because a lot of people will maybe press play in new and noteworthy. That counts as a download, but then they abandon the episode. So the reason I say that is that your actual consumption stats will probably be even better than what you see inside of Podcast Connect. This is really exciting for so many reasons, and one of them is that it means podcast analytics will now be more accurate than all other media except for streaming, like YouTube or live streaming. For example, you can see whether a banner ad was displayed when someone loads a web page 
but you can't know if the person even saw that banner ad, and many people have the ability to block banner ads. Or you can know how many magazines are sold, but you can't know how many people read them, let alone saw the ads. And you can assume, based on certain studies and surveys and stuff, how many people are watching or listening to broadcast media, but you can't know whether they skipped the commercials. But with a podcast, you'll be able to see that for the majority of your audience through the Podcast Connect analytics. This is fantastic for content creators as well as advertisers, and I believe it will show that dynamically inserted ads, those that are added in automatically without your having to do anything, I think that this new data will show that those kinds of ads are usually skipped, but personable, host-performed ads are probably usually consumed. And I think we'll also show people abandon episodes when podcasters overwhelm their audience with calls to action, especially near the end of the episode. When you start wrapping it up and you give all your closing announcements, you ask for subscriptions, ratings, reviews, all of that kind of stuff, you'll start to see people are abandoning this. Maybe you should change the format of your podcast or change when you give those calls to action. That doesn't mean you put them at the beginning, by the way. But it does mean maybe you choose fewer calls to action. Maybe you are more strategic about where you place them in your episode. And you can make all kinds of other informed decisions on this. Or, if nothing else, simply know how your audience is engaging with your content. So you can know, if I say this at this time in this episode, then it will probably mean fewer of my audience will hear it than if I say it at this other time. And... I suspect, big hypothesis here, that these analytics may even show greater loyalty to smaller shows, like what you and I host, not to these mega shows. But we'll see. I think we'll also certainly see uh, some truth behind some people who think they have great shows and then they look at this and see, hey, yikes, 50% of the people who downloaded it don't listen beyond the first minute. There could be uh, moments of truth like that. But I think this will only help us as podcast content creators as well as help those advertisers, especially if you have an audience that listens to your ads. You'll be able to use that as a selling point to tell your sponsors or advertisers, you know, you've been paying this and you thought maybe only 50% of my audience was hearing the ads But look, 75% of my audience is hearing those ads. So you're getting more value than you thought you were getting from this. And I know one of the things that will probably come up is that a lot of these public radio people or these big name podcasters will show that, oh, look, for an hour long episode, people are dropping off at 25 minutes. Maybe that means that the ideal length of an episode is 25 minutes that I think could easily be misinterpreted from the data because you can't say that because people only listen to 25 minutes of a particular kind of podcast, that 25 minutes is the limit. Maybe it's the limit for that kind of podcast. Maybe it got boring 25 minutes in. It's like I can only stand a very small number of seconds of Anne of Green Gables. But I can watch hours of Harry Potter, which I've been doing recently with my wife when I gave her a birthday present of the complete Harry Potter collection on Blu-ray, DVD, and UV download. We've been watching it, having Harry Potter marathons. 
We've also been watching Doctor Who recently, and we're watching hours and hours of this. And it's not about the length. It's about the quality. How much do we actually want this information? And then again, you know, maybe you're the type where you could watch Anne of Green Gables hours and hours and hours over and over and over all the extras, all the bonuses and all of that stuff. And maybe you love movies like Star Wars Episode One or The Lone Ranger or World of Warcraft or any of these movies like that. So then for you, it's different because it's about what you like. It's not about the sheer length of the episode. So watch carefully if you see people saying, oh, look, this data shows the episode should only be this long. No, you can't apply that to your podcast. They could apply it maybe to their podcast, but it doesn't even mean their podcast should only be that long. It maybe means something happens around that time that people don't want to listen to anymore. So be very careful Take that advice with a grain of salt, as the saying goes, and just expect that a lot of people are going to make some wrong interpretations based on this data. Data and facts are always up to interpretation before they become evidence for anything. Keep that in mind. So that's exciting that we're going to be able to see it inside of Podcast Connect, log in with that sometime later this year, 2017. So The last thing I want to talk about is how and when can you use all this new stuff? Unfortunately, this will require some patience. Developers already have access to iOS 11 and can test the new podcast app, but the new features will practically be useless until iOS 11 is released to the public in fall 2017 and then as iOS users upgrade, which traditionally is very quickly for iOS users, certainly much more quickly than Android users. That's a recurring thing. The top podcasting platforms such as Blueberry, PowerPress, Libsyn, and others, maybe Spreaker, Podbean, and such, are already testing and updating to support these new features. So you won't get access right away, but you will probably get access before iOS 11 is released. In the meantime, implementing the new RSS tags won't do anything for you, so there's really no rush right now, so please be patient. They will be coming. Now, if by the time iOS 11 is released and whatever tool you're using to create your RSS feeds hasn't updated or your media host hasn't updated to support these new features, then maybe you need to look at a different media host. They need to be active in supporting these new features. So if these new features aren't ready to go by then, or they haven't said that they're very, very close, like if it's a few days delay, okay, because sometimes there might be a last minute change in something. Something changes from beta to the final release or the spec changes or anything like that. But if they're not quick about it, then you need to look at a different host or a different tool. The new podcast analytics will probably be available at the same time as iOS 11 or shortly after. And Apple did say this year, and this year being 2017, probably around the same time as iOS 11. But if this is tied to your Apple ID and the Podcast Connect account that you log into with your Apple ID, this does introduce a new problem, or it rather amplifies a problem. How to access your show and Podcast Connect. If someone else submitted your podcast to Apple, 
or you lost access to your Apple ID, you may not be able to see these cool new analytics for your show. However, Apple already has a process in place for transferring ownership of apps inside the App Store, and we've seen many times before that the podcast catalog follows the App Store. So I think podcast transfers aren't very far away, especially with the new demand there will be to get access to this data through those proper Apple IDs. As tempting as it may be for you to then remove your podcast from Apple Podcasts and resubmit under an Apple ID you do control, I really strongly advise against that. Yes, I know you're eager to see these stats, but making this kind of rash decision will hurt your podcast in several ways. You may not lose your subscribers because as long as you have control of that RSS feed URL, you can redirect it to the new one, but you do have to create a new one when you resubmit. But you would lose all your ratings, your reviews for your podcast, and you would lose all your ranking for your show. And I really don't think Apple wants 400,000 podcasts, which is what they said is now in the iTunes and Apple podcast catalog, not necessarily all active, I know, but they don't want all of these thousands and thousands of podcasts to remove themselves and resubmit in order to see the podcast analytics. I'm sure they will put some kind of process in place soon. You'll have to simply wait for them to get that process in place if you don't have access to your Apple ID or to the Apple ID that was used to submit your podcast. And we have yet to see how these changes will affect podcast search engine optimization or SEO, but I will share any such updates inside of Podcaster Society and with the students of my SEO for Podcasters course. In fact, I'm looking to remake the SEO for Podcasters course because several things have changed and I want to approach things in a slightly different format for that. So anyone who has already purchased the SEO for Podcasters course will get access to the new version for free and any updates I make with this new stuff because I'm wondering, for example, will content encoded be used for search or will the description now be used for search? Will the iTunes title tag override the title tag for search? Or will the title tag still be used even if the iTunes title tag is displayed? And I'm sure you'll start to see because Apple is such a leader in this industry with the podcasting spec they already have, as well as their place with podcast consumption and support of the podcasting industry. I'm sure we'll start to see other podcast apps update to support these new features in very similar ways like to support the seasons especially. That's a big thing I'm sure many podcast apps would want to support. So you can expect to see the well-developed other podcast apps supporting these new features and implementing them in probably similar ways as Apple. Certainly the serial features and seasons they'll probably want to implement in the same way so you get that same kind of experience as you do with Apple. So that's what I wanted to share with you, the exciting news from Apple's WWDC in 2017, WebRTC coming to Safari on Mac OS and iOS, the redesigned Apple Podcasts app, the updated podcasting spec and iTunes RSS tags, the consumption analytics from Apple Podcasts, and how and when you can use all this new stuff. If you have some questions or some insight, and keep in mind that I probably have access to the exact same data you could have access to, but feel free to comment on the show notes or share this episode by going to theaudacitypodcast.com slash apple2017. 
I'll thank my latest reviews in the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast. And something else you can look forward to is in our Podcasters Roundtable sort of presentation at Podcast Movement, where we're talking about everything with the RSS feed. We'll be talking about these new tags, and I'm also presenting a solo talk at Podcast Movement about how to get and use more podcast reviews. So if you'd like to join me and many other podcasters at Podcast Movement, register at podcastmovement.com and use the promo code NOODLE to save 10% on your registration. But if you're a Podcaster Society member, use our special super secret promo code because that saves you even more. Go to podcastmovement.com and register with promo code NOODLE, save 10%, and I'd love to see you there. Even if you can't make it to my presentations, I'd love to see you stop by the booth and introduce yourself if we've never met before. Hand me your podcast card. Let's talk for a little bit. And maybe you could be part of an episode that I'm planning to record there at the event. That's at podcastmovement.com and use promo code NOODLE. And now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacitytopodcast.com. Thanks for listening. That these episodes of the Audacity to Podcast are published consistently and edited nicely is thanks to my producer, John Buchanis from AudioEditingSolutions.com. And I would ask that you send your thoughts, prayers, positive vibes over to John and his family because John has recently gone through the loss of his mother. And I know this is a painful time. They had an opportunity to say goodbye because they knew this was coming due to some illness, but that doesn't make it any easier. So please take a moment to tweet him at techno underscore bully or send him a message through audioeditingsolutions.com to send him some encouragement and love. And I'm deeply grateful for him. And I hate to see my friends going through pain of loss like this. So please send those thoughts prayers and positive vibes over to John Buchanis. And thank you, John, for all of your work. Thank you for being a good friend as well.